Welcome to the Consumed Church Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message, Restoration Begins at Home, by Pastor Matthew Pallant. For any further information about this message or the ministries of Consumed Church, check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. What I'm about to dive into, I'm aware, is a sensitive and loaded topic. Um, and I don't want to assume that I understand the depth of everything I'm going to talk about. Um, I, 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 under, I, I, I've been blessed, and I'm in a very early stage and walk in developing my own personal family. So I don't want to assume that I understand, because as I look around this room, this room is full of people that are full of wisdom, full of experience, and uh, have also walked through things that have been a lot harder than things I've experienced in life, from their childhood, from their marriage, from their uh, child-rearing days, all of the above. So I, I want, I'm asking you for grace as I approach this topic and subject, and I don't want to assume that I understand the depths of it all, but I do uh, have a passion, and I believe through the Word we can um, look at some things together. Is that fair? So I just ask for grace, and I really uh, just pray for the hearts, you know, as we dive in. My message today is restoration begins at home. And the family is what's under attack. Okay, when we look at the identity agenda, when we look at the gender agenda, when we look at the LGBTQ agenda, when we look at the divorce rate, when we look at adultery, when we look at pornography, when we look at what movies and Hollywood is putting out, what the education system is putting out, nearly every mountain is attacking the family. The only hope that the family has is the mountain of the church. And I'm not talking about a building or an institution, but I'm talking about you and me. We are the hope. We are, Jesus is the hope, right? But him in us, our actions, our demonstrations of him and his word and application of it it is the hope that society has. So as I put this message together, I began seeing that this is something that God has laid on my heart for a very long time, that it, it's really interwoven into uh, a part of my mission and calling, which I never understood or thought previously. I started getting some glimpses six or eight months ago, but as I dove into this this week, I really began seeing that the passion for this topic has been woven in my heart over the last eight or ten years, and it's um, in a sense, showing its face in, in uh, many streams of my life. So everything I just, just those, those topics, it's all an attack on family, on the nuclear family and God's design of family. And it's us, it's, it's him in us that, that has the ability to bring hope and restoration to those areas. 
We say, and, and Miss Linda just said it, if it's not family, it's not kingdom, and I do believe that. But depending on your view of family, that may, that may be something that scares you. Depending on the household that you grew up in, that may be something that scares you. Depending on previous ministry experiences, that may be something that scares you. So what I desire to do is kind of clean our lenses and refresh our lenses to see family and and really to bring healing and restoration to family from God's design in God's way. Over the last five or six months, I've invested a lot of time and money into uh, taking a course to become a coach and um, with a focus on restoring the family back to God's original design. And these are some things that I've, I've invested in and, and received some tools and began to apply them in my own house. And some of what I'm going to share um, has that flavor to it, so to speak. So I want to say there's no judgment and there's no condemnation uh, at all. If, if some of these things are things that you've walked through or somebody you know may be living in one of these type of lifestyles or... Whatever the case may be, as Pastor John said, um, I want to say it was at the beginning of the year, one of the prophetic words that the Lord showed him was a vacuum sucking all judgment out of the room. So I just want to go ahead and turn that vacuum on. And we're just going to suck all the judgment, all the fear, all the condemnation, every lie of the enemy. That's just leaving this room right now in Jesus' name. Okay, so we have a saying in in this course that I took, it is, it is what it is. What's next? In other words, why sit and dwell on things that cannot be changed from the past? It is what it is. Good, bad, indifferent. It is what it is. What's next? And, and what I really want to do is empower us that no matter what has happened to us, no matter what circumstances we face, no matter what life has thrown at us, you're not a victim. You're not a victim. Life flows through us. Life flows through us. So although situations, circumstances, relationships, things have happened that were not God, that have been hard, that have been challenging, that have caused disconnection, that has caused hurt and pain, and I'm not minimalizing any of that at all because it is very real. But we're not victims. If Christ is, is, if Christ is in us, we have the ability to be victorious over every situation and every circumstance. Now, I, I, I've been a part of movements that pretty much just wants you to ignore the reality. And that's not the answer either. Because I do believe there is a reality that we need to face. That it, it, there are things that need to be addressed. There are things that need to be talked about. It's not sweep it under the rug and pretend like nothing happened and it's not there. That's not healthy either. Okay? But I do believe that there is a place that we can look at something and say that is ugly, that is sin, That was the work of the devil operating in and through this person, group of people, uh, organization, whatever the case may be. That wasn't God, but I choose to turn my attention and focus on God in every circumstance and every situation. 
So you may have been divorced. You may have children in other than biblical relationships or, uh, you know, falling into the, the confusion of, of gender or identity. Those things that are very real to the generation that is, is growing up today. And we can all agree and acknowledge that the challenges it has created is with family. It's created disconnection. It's created, um, you know, many things, but we'll just leave it at disconnection. And it's, it's, not, it's, it's not God. So when we look at the Bible, I believe it all began, I think it's pretty clear in Genesis, you know, with Adam when Adam sinned. And it's not, it doesn't take until Genesis chapter 4 that we see the conflict within the first family with Cain and Abel. So as I was reading that, I believe I found a key that would help us in this, and it's Genesis 4-7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And it's a simple verse, but we're all faced with a choice, and we're faced with an opportunity and we get to choose how we respond. We're powerful people. We are powerful people. And some of the pain that we've experienced in life will be something that we may have to address continually throughout the rest of our life. But there are tools available that we can begin to see patterns of behavior and recognize, why am I feeling this way? Why is this feeling arising? And there's tools available that you can go in and begin to recognize it quicker and quicker and cut it off as it arises because it, it's all connected. Most of the time when behaviors or patterns pop up in one area of life, they're connected to many patterns or to many other areas of life. And I'm going to get too far ahead of myself, but um, I'll just flow. You know, there's, so one of, the, one of the ways we can begin to learn to identify that is through freedom ministry. So I'm, I'm doing a, a shameless plug for freedom ministry. Miss Linda is leading the, the freedom team. And, um, Many of you have taken the School of Ministry class on freedom. If you're interested in it, I do have the YouTube link for it. Um, but Miss Linda is going to be working with members of the church, people that are interested in uh, developing and um, doing freedom, but also you can receive freedom. And let me say something. Uh, inner healing type ministries, whether it be SOZO, RTF, freedom, there are many modalities. They're not cheap. Freedom at Consumed Church is free. So you know what uh, somebody said, no charge means no excuses. Right? If it's free, there's no excuse. You can't say, well, I can't afford it. It's free, okay? So see one of us, write on a, write on a note, you know, interested in freedom with your name, and we'll get a hold of you for that. 
But listen, what I said was, um, you know, when we see patterns of behavior and things that start to rise, what a lot of people do is start to run around and put out fires. And all they're doing is treating the top surface of the fruit that's coming to the surface, and they never take the time to dig to the root. And there is, there is a root cause of all of this, whether it was from childhood or trauma or abuse or relationship, whatever the case is, and it takes time to dig to the root. You know, it can be painful to dig to the root. But I think it's a lot more painful to live decade after decade uh, making the same um, challenges, consequences, hurting people, hurting yourself, hurting relationships, causing wounds, all those things, that endless cycle that comes, right? Because we have, we've heard it said that uh, hurt people hurt people, right? You know, and I think about my two little kids, well, I've got four, but two of them, the two boys right now, Zoe, or Judah and Asher, and, you know, Asher wants everything that Judah has as soon as Judah gets it. So Asher's at the age, he's about 20 months, where if he sees something he wants, he's just going to go grab it. Well, what's that do now? He's hurt Judah by taking something that doesn't belong to him. Well, what do you think Judah's going to do? Push him or punch him? (laughs) Push him or punch him, one of the two. You know, so, so don't miss... Remember, in order to to receive and inherit the things of the kingdom, we must become like a little child. So I don't want you to miss the simplicity of the examples that I'm going to be using in this next section because um, it's very simple, but it's very real. You know, have you ever just walked into a church and had a conversation with somebody and walked away and just had offense on you? Chances are that person was carrying offense and you, they were hurt and through the conversation said something, did something had a facial expression that now caused you to be hurt. That that stuff happens all the time. And while I'm talking this message about our personal families, this church is a family, as Pastor Matthew just shared, you know, and that was just, just so real is, you know, some of our leadership team just got off a retreat last weekend, last week, and, um, Man, we had a powerful time of walking through some of this, um, demonstrated and led by our senior pastor. You know, humbled himself, which he's always humble, and but humbled himself, got down on a knee and asked somebody for forgiveness for something that he remembered he said more than three and a half years ago. This goes back to pre-pandemic, pre-COVID. So we're talking 2019. And that person was like, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even. But it was something that was on his heart that he went to ask for forgiveness. And it's demonstrated in the house here. Through our family here. And that led to some other, you know, people going around the room asking for forgiveness for things that they may have said or done that was hurtful. And it was a holy moment. It was a beautiful moment. And there's, there's, there's freedom and healing released in those moments. Okay? So in the same way that hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. And the more whole that we get, the, the more that we can show up whole, 
to our houses, to our jobs, to our church, to our families. As we become whole, we bring the kingdom, we bring healing, we manifest healing just by a simple look, smile, or conversation. You see, we often want to do this, you know, we think, you know, I I want to shift culture. I want to transform regions. I want to transform this. I want to transform that. Culture is downstream from family. So if you really want to transform culture, you need to start in your home and bring transformation to your home. As I was preparing, this is just one of those intertwines that the Lord showed me, but um, you know, my wife and I have done missions and ministry and all different things, and, and we've got a ministry established in Kenya um, and a few other places in Africa, but mainly Kenya. And I've got my regional director there who pretty much runs our African aspect of the ministry. And I don't know, it must have, well, it had to be 2017, shortly after Shani gave birth to Zoe. And you know, I was, I was just teaching them at the time. I was sending monthly kind of apostolic teaching letters just to help transform uh, religious culture into kingdom culture and very passionate about that. But one of the things that I began teaching my regional director was um, the way he serves his wife demonstrates the kingdom. And that's a foreign, foreign, in most cultures, uh, but I would say especially in African cultures, you know, because over there where we are in the villages, this mama gave birth <laughs> in, the, in the mud hut. He texts me in the middle of the night and says, brother, it was the middle of the night here, but says, brother, please pray. My wife wants to go into labor and there's no motorbikes around. I can't get her to the hospital. And, uh, and I have an image of what that looks like and what that means because I've spent many days, months, weeks, months in those villages. And so I don't know in their culture if other people help the mama out, but to see a man at the well, right? We see the woman at the well in the scripture. To see a man at the well is not, it's unheard of. If you're a man going to the well, you're going to be laughed at, mocked, and talked about. The man does not go to the well. I've been to the well many times just to look and see and experience. And I've never seen a man there. So I was doing this teaching and my, my regional director, Alex, says, brother, I began going to fetch water for my wife. And he began to be the talk of the village. What is this pastor? What is this man of God doing at the well? Why is the man fetching water at the well? And he began teaching on the kingdom. So, so when I thought, when the Lord reminded me of that example, it reminded me that this whole thing of kingdom and family being intertwined has really been in my heart for a very long time. And now it's just manifesting in different ways. But that's, that's a real life example of what I mean when I say it, to transform your house. It begins in your home because it doesn't matter how much this man preaches in his village. But when it's a life, when it's the message is lived, when the kingdom is truly lived through the way we live our life and demonstrated through our lifestyle, it, it carries a lot more power than our words. Amen.
So if, if we want to see our families restored, we're going to have to get healed of the root issues in our life so we can become whole, spirit, soul, and body. And bring our whole self to the relationship with our spouse, to our kids. And then all of this overflows from home to workplace to hobbies, right? It's, it's, it's not compartmentalized. It, it, I, I was doing a, a work, I was doing a tool, and it was asking me questions of feelings, of when this feeling arises, when this, it says, okay, now what other areas of your life does this happen? And at first I thought, none. It's this person. It's my wife. It's her. Oh, you know what? It happens at work. <laughs> oh, you know what? It happens in this community. Oh, it happens over here. Oh, no. <laughs> let's, let's put the selfie camera up or the mirror up, right? No, nope. this is the problem right here. So in that same way as I begin to be transformed as I become healed from some of the root issues that I didn't even realize were there. All of a sudden, transformation begins happening in the home. And it wasn't because she changed. It wasn't because she changed. It was because I changed. You've heard it said, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. But I say if the house ain't right, things aren't right. You know, a lot of the tea books, the Thessalonians, the Timothy, Thess um, Titus, yeah. You know, those, those are some of the books that I focused on. And that's how I remembered that. I said, man, all these books start with tea. <laughs> but, um, you know, they they go through those books and read. And so much of what's talked about and focused on in order to be qualified for the work of ministry is your house is in order, your family's in order. You know, so... Sorry, my face tells what I'm thinking, but... Why, are, why do we have people in leadership that have, you know, the outside of the cup is all clean, but... When you look inside the cup, it's not so clean. Yeah, I, I think there's, I know there's a transformation and a reformation happening. I, I know that there's leaders and people that have been hurt by religion and hurt by the organization of church, and they, they want true encounter with the living God. And the leaders want to be true, want to be pure, want to be clean. And I'm thankful that we have that in this body, and I can say that because of the relationship that I have with all of the elders and with Pastor John and Lauren, that that is truly what goes on here. <laughs> and I'm going to say, Pastor John and Lauren live in a fishbowl. Their doors are open. They're, they're, there's nothing hidden. So I know this is taking a long time, but I'm drilling to the core. And drilling to the core takes time. If we want true transformation, we have to get to the core of the issues in our life so we can address them. Instead of trying to constantly put out fires which pop up and just dealing with the fruit instead of dealing with the root. So 
So we must understand the direction the family goes is the direction the culture goes. And I think we're seeing that. The direction the family goes is the direction the culture goes. So you can't change culture without changing family. And we've tried to have different focuses and different emphasis to try to shift culture. But what's the saying? You're kind of fighting an uphill battle. You're, you're, You're not making progress because you're not dealing with the root cause. And you know what? At least for men, I don't know, I think this might be a generalized statement, but I think it's, I think it might be safe to say. But, you know, for, for many men, it's a lot easier to go to work than to deal with the stuff in the house. It's a lot easier to go to work than to deal with the stuff in the house. The, the, the daily responsibilities, the, the parenting things with the children. And, you know, I don't, I'm thankful. I'm, you know, my kids are still young. It's very minimal. But I, I can imagine as they get 10, 11, 12 and onward, you know, that, that, that's, that stuff gets real. I mean, it's real now, but it gets real then too, you know, real, real. And uh, no, but, you know, I do believe that we can lay foundation now in this season of our life, for Shani and I, that we can lay foundation now in connection and relationship with our kids, I heard Danny Silk say it, you know, make deposits now. Make deposits now. So when the kids are 13, 14, 15, 16, you got some money in the bank and you can start making some withdrawals. Okay? And, and, and that is something I'm standing on and believing for, you know? But, but I, I truly love to see, I mean, just spend the time with my kids. It's, you know, one and then two was easier. Now with four, it, it can be a challenge, you know. And I, I was meditating on this on the way in. And, you know, I, I was thinking just about Josiah and Emily, you know. And, and I remember we had met them in 2000, I don't know, definitely before the pandemic, probably 2018-ish, 2019 is when we, you know, met them. And as soon as I met them and talked to them, I just said, man, they do family the way I want to do it. You know, and Shani and I would talk about that. So I just want to honor you guys and value you guys that you guys are champions. I know things are not perfect. I'm sure it's just as chaotic in your house, if not more than it is in our house. I recognize all that. But the way you guys do it, you do it well. And I really honor you guys and value you guys and really look up to you. Um, and you know, it's funny because so much so when they had just had a baby in December uh, of 2019, Abram, and then, you know, COVID hit come March 2020, everything shut down. And it was like almost a year we hadn't seen them. And I, I'd like, Lord, where are they? That was the family that we wanted to grow close to and grow in connection with. And then Zoe was having her birthday party. I says, I'm reaching out. I'm inviting them to Zoe's birthday party. Maybe though. And um and got to reconnect in that moment. But what I'm saying is lay hold of, you know, lay hold of family. When you find somebody that's doing it in a way, um, especially young adults, I had this as a word earlier during worship for uh, Manly and Alex and Kara and Brady as leaders, guys, of the young adults. Take time now. I would even say make it a point and a focus of the ministry now to do some inner healing stuff and to really dig to the root issues before you guys start having kids because you've got, no, you've got such, just such a prime season that 
that if you deal with the stuff now, you won't pass it on to your kids when they come. And you, as young adult leaders, you guys have such an opportunity to really transform culture because if you get healed and whole, your children won't have to deal with the same junk that we did in our... So, amen? So, sign up with Ms. Linda. No. Um, no, but I'm, you know, I'm serious. And there's things we can talk to. There's tools. There's things that, that are available um, that can really dig to the deep core. And, and you know, and honestly, Shani and I started doing some of this stuff in, in Catch the Fire uh, in Toronto. And, you know, as Zoe, as she was pregnant with Zoe, I just said, man, there's some, there's some things. I have a really good dad. I really do. My natural father is amazing. But he's not God the Father. He's not God the Father. And there's still some wounds, there's still some hurts, there's still some things that I recognize that pop up. And if I don't deal with them now, if I don't deal with them previously, but it's still, if I don't deal with them now as they pop up, they're going to go to the next generation. They're going to pass on to my kids. So I'm aware and sensitive of stuff, of frustration, of silly things. Um, silly things. And Shani laughs because she already knows. but. Um, Forget the word I typed out. Idiosyncrasies. Um, you know, idiosyncrasies that I have. And I look at it and I'm like, that was imparted to me from my father. Really, it was an impartation. And it's not really a good impartation. I mean, it, you know. Selah. So we often talk about wanting to shift culture. I just said all this, be counter, be countercultural. And we have this grandiose way or thought of how it should be done, but it starts in our home. Being fully present with our families. And I was also reminded, I, I, when we were in Toronto at the School of Ministry back in 2017, um, man, I, it was just a God thing. I was just standing, waiting for class to start that morning. And Steve Long, who at the time was the, senior pastor of Catch the Fire Toronto and had been throughout, been with Toronto since the whole thing started. And, uh, you know, and I had looked at him because, you know, Shani was pregnant and I was really trying to get this stuff dealt with in my heart to really be as good of a father, as close to God the Father as a father that I can be to Zoe. And, and I said, Steve, man, how'd you do it? So thankful for leaders that are approachable, touchable, talk, you know. And uh, I said, Steve, how'd you do it? You know, he started telling me, I said, man, what was it like in the 90s, you know, being in the, in the revival in Toronto and meeting six nights a week? And man, what was that like for you and your family? And he looked at me, he says, I never missed one of my kids' baseball games. I said, what? Th completely shifted my paradigm. He says, no. He says, I made the schedule, so I was off on the nights my kids had baseball games. And I'm thinking, whoa, paradigm shift for me, okay? I knew something needed to change. Uh, Shani and I, you know, we're living full-time in Mexico for two and a half years and missionaries down there. And Man, I can run, but she can keep up. But I knew I was, I was doing things in a way that was not sustainable for long especially with a newborn. And I said, you know, I, I, this is truly what caused the shift and got us to the school of ministry in Toronto was, I said, Lord, 
I mean, I, you know, I mean, we would, we were going seven days a week, sometimes 18 hour days, many times missing meals. Just, man, it, it was, it was not, I wouldn't say it was hard. His yoke was easy. His burden was light. It was glorious. I mean, we were almost like living in a glory cloud in the midst of machine gun, 50 caliber machine gun fire and all that other stuff. But we were like living in a glory cloud. I mean, of just seeing miracle signs and wonders and just, I mean, just wild miracles happening all the time between healings and provision and just stuff breaking out. But I knew it wasn't sustainable long-term. And I was like, Lord, I know there's a cost to revival, right? How many of you know there's a cost to revival? But I don't believe it's supposed to cost me my family. I don't believe, I don't believe that honors you and pleases you. And so that's, we went to Toronto and, you know, and, and in the midst of the end of that, what the Lord said is, now, mind you, I mean, John Arnott's coming. We're in the car with John Arnott. We're sitting at Burger King with John Arnott. I mean, it's just, it, it, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, we're having apostolic roundtable discussions. It's like a dream come true. Heidi Baker's coming down. We're going to be doing the same thing with her. And in the midst of that, Heidi was already scheduled and we're leaving Mexico. And I'm like, Lord, I may have shared this before, but I said, Lord, I said, am I, like, what am I doing? We're leaving Mexico in the midst of what looks like the beginning of a revival, revival breaking out. Some of my heroes in the faith, I mean, we had spent some time at David Hogan's house with him personally, went fishing with him on his boat, duck hunting with him on his boat. Talk about a hero in the faith. Um, and I said, Lord, we're pull, is, am I crazy? He says, Who, what are you in this for? Who you can rub shoulders with? Or what you can do for me? I said, no, I'm done. Bye. Bye, Mexico. And, and I, cause, and I, and he said, he says, you're seeing beginning waves of revival now. He says, but the revival, I'm losing it at the moment, but basically the revival that takes place through you is going to be the fruit of the revival that takes place in your home. And that was the word that we left Mexico for to come to DFW was, was that. And, and I believe, I, I do believe, this is the season we're going to see more of that personally as, as Shawnee and I as a family, that we're going to step. We've seen some of it. We've, we've seen amazing things, but I, I believe this season is, is we're going to see more of that. So some of you may be thinking, I missed the boat. My kids are teens. My kids are adults. But let me tell you something. It starts with us right now. It's never too late. If we're here, if we're here, if we're on earth walking with the Lord, it's not too late. There's hope. It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Um, you know, I, I think about my mom and, and her prayers for me in the time that it really looked like there was no hope for me. Um, it was nearly 10 years of constant prayer and devotion to the Lord. And one day, I encountered him was radically changed, literally in the blink of an eye. Well, I've got a brother that she prayed for the same amount of time as she did for me, and she didn't see the fruit. But she got one. So it gave her hope, and she kept praying. Here we are 13 years later, and, you know, things got bad to the point that he moved in with my mom and dad, and um, kind of wasn't really 
capable of living by himself, wasn't able to work, been more than six years without working. And now for the last three months, he's working again. So what I'm saying is no matter how, so that now put my 10 years plus the last 30, we're talking 20, yeah, nearly 23 years of praying may not happen overnight. But if we stay faithful, right, through faith and patience, we inherit his promises. Yeah. So don't lose hope. But it begins with us. It begins with us receiving the transformation we need. So in the NA and the AA, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, there's a 12-step program. They have a saying that includes, it works if you work it, right? So when it comes to restoring our families, it begins with prayer. The stuff doesn't just happen. It begins with prayer. Covering and saturating our families and the circumstances and situations in prayer. And then working it. Applying what you learn to your life and transformation begins there. Right? It's, it's not just coming to church on Sundays that's going to bring transformation. It's applying what we hear and what we learn uh, to our lives. Amen? All right. Uh, I've got to pick it up a little bit. Let's, <laughs> um, let's go to 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Right? It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Verse 9, in this, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. It wasn't, uh, verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son be the propitiation, propitiation for our sins. So it was not that we love, but it was in his love that he gave, right? Real simple. We, I had much more to say about that, but I need to get to our activation. Um, so let's go to Matthew 18, 21 through 35, and we're going to go there, and then we're going to step into an activation. How many of you guys like activations? Yes, activations are fun. Um, yeah. So Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. 
Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he, that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. How quick we forget. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Same thing he said. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what, he, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So here we see a man, we see a man here who was forgiven a great debt and set free, only then to go and demand that someone who owed him a small debt be thrown into jail for not paying it. How many times do we do that same thing? Right? We, we have received the ultimate forgiveness of all of our sin from the Father through his Son. Right? A part of, a part of what God... So I saw it when I was reading the first verse, but uh, first portion of Scripture. We've been engrafted into the family of God because of God's love for us and giving His Son. We've been engrafted and we've been able to inherit and receive benefits because of His mercy and because of His love. And what I want to do is just kind of take a minute and this is kind of a forgiveness exercise. And it's when we go into forgiveness, we're releasing the person. We're releasing the person or the people that may have hurt us. Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.